Hi, I'm Peter Sintoscano, and this is Bubble and Squeak, a podcast with uncanny sounds, funny interludes, and stories, most weird, many true. Okay, here's episode 15. Our show today comes in two parts. Part one, musician, podcaster, and former Christian pop star Matt Langston talks about his song, Birthright. And part two, an exclusive reading of the new book, The Vault of the Witch Hunters, by authors and illustrators M&J Pavlin. It's the first of their Cartson and Pecron series. Hi, my name is Matt Langston, and I play in a band called 117 and also produce most of the music for the Rock Candy Podcast Network. Earlier this year, my band put out a new album called Basic Glitches, and a lot of the lyrical content from this album stemmed from notes that I had been taking during therapy sessions for the last few months or so. So a lot of the record ended up being me exploring a lot of the religious abuse that I experienced growing up in the Protestant church as a child child and as a teenager. One of the songs that I'm happiest with that ended up on the album is a song called Birthright. A huge part of my journey as an artist has been questioning my faith, questioning a lot of the assumptions that I made about the universe and the world and reality. And in the early parts of our career, we were doing that within the context of the Christian rock scene. And I found it really interesting that we were ostracized from a lot of those groups of people simply because in an effort to be true to our own reality and our own spiritual experiences, we were not reflecting back to a lot of these people, this Americanized Protestant evangelical agenda. I think I just found it really sad that when I finally came to a place in life where I could be honest about myself and about my feelings and about the way I was perceiving the world and about what I really thought about God and spirituality, all of a sudden those thoughts and that honesty became a point of contention for most of the other Christians in my life. I think a lot of our fans and and listeners expected a very particular brand of hyper-spirituality and hyper-vigilance in maintaining an image of what they believe that the Christian life looked like. I'll always feel a little bit heartbroken that in my experience, at the end of the day, my intellectual inquiry ultimately ended up isolating and alienating me from people who I thought were supposed to be the most loving and inclusive people. So this song is a really strong reminder that I feel like I wrote for myself, that a life lived only trying to fulfill the expectations of others is a life wasted. Even though I wrote this song as a lament for sort of being rejected and outcast from a lot of these groups, it also has been such an amazing gift in so many ways because it gave birth to a certain type of inclusive empathy inside of me that I did not have before. I see people and their consciousness and their personalities and and the love that they are capable of sharing and giving to others as so much greater than any set of beliefs that they may have about the world around them. So even though the tone of the song comes from a really snarky place, my hope is that it's cathartic for other people who have gone through a similar situation. Throughout your journey and throughout your life, there are going to be parts of your journey or yourself or your personality or your process of just existing that are going to make other people uncomfortable. And that does not in any way mean that you are less lovable or not deserving of community or that your thoughts and feelings don't matter because they make others uncomfortable. i
us some clever metaphor Sing us a hymn or strum us a power chord How about I just try and say something honestly I don't think I have what you're asking for I'm just like Jesus Christ, why does the home get over? Take another sip following is an excerpt from Cartson and Peckrin in The Vault of the Witch Hunters by M&J Pavlin. Cartson and Peckrin is a story about friendship and outcasts finding and supporting each other. In this small section from The Vault of the Witch Hunters, two armies face each other in a grim stalemate. We join our unlikely pair of adventurers as they slip behind enemy lines to search for their contact in the enemy forces. A dangerous trip lies ahead as they must sneak through a fortified land to reach an ancient ruin before the enemy can uncover its dreaded secrets. Under a range of looming mountains behind a line of towering pine trees and precarious boulders, two unwitting travelers careened down a narrow, steep, and uneven goat path. At the front, a short-statured Dulgari adventurer named Pekrin ran as fast as his stocky legs would carry him. He dressed in brown leather pants and a burnt umber cloak. The dye of his dark red tunic complemented his ruddy complexion. 
He kept his right hand on his dark gray wool cap, preventing it from flying off his wiry earth-toned hair. Defying the wind, his rusty brown mustache maintained perfect curls at the edge as he slid down a patch of loose gravel, seemingly without a care in the world. Carson chased after her companion with long, lanky strides. A dark gray wool cloak trailed behind her, so near in color and texture to Peckrin's hat that one might believe they were made by the same tailor. Her Andrin style of dress mixed tight leathers with embroidered fabrics and extravagant buttons where none were needed. More lavish than the wealthiest gentleman adventurer, she had told her tailor. Gold embroidery flowed around the edges of her yellow ochre tunic, complemented by the silver stitching in her collar. In the dusk light, it would have been easy to mistake her for a young man. How do you keep such a pace, Peckrin? she called out to him as she pulled ahead a few more yards. Exercise and good breeding, he replied, leaping off a rock and sliding down some more loose gravel. The earth seemed to shift and flatten beneath his feet, as if it were helping him to keep his grip. He placed his left hand on his belt to steady one of two jingling pouches, more to check that they were still there than to quiet them. Race you to the bottom, he challenged. Cartson adjusted her belt so that her cudgel slipped to her side out of the way of her strides. You're on, she replied, and flexed her knees into a sprint. A cold wind brushed across her face, cooling the magenta flush in her coppery cheeks. She pushed the few curly black strands of hair from her forehead. A tight braid kept the rest of her hair pulled up into a warrior's knot atop her head. Peckrin skidded to a stop at the edge of a sharp drop overlooking the outermost tents of the Urken encampment. Fisergar's maw, he cursed, surveying the last leg of the path. Come on, Peckrin, what's got you all bothered? Carson asked as she bounded to his side. Oh. Two Urken soldiers meandered back and forth at the end of the trail, blocking their path. You said there wasn't going to be any trouble on this path. Said your flea-ridden friend would meet us. Well, he lied then, Peckrin mocked with a sarcastic grin. Regardless, those two buffoons are ripe with drink. Just look at the milk stains on their lips. He held a carved wooden looking glass to his eye as he spoke. Carson sat down on a slab of granite and pulled off her boots, shaking loose a few pebbles and a handful of dirt. So you think we should just sit around here like oxen babes and wait for the flat faces to drink themselves to sleep? She put her boots back on and laced them tight. That's about the right of it, Peckrin replied. A few more pints and they'll drift off to the quilted fields. Why wait? Twill be dark soon enough, and I could sneak up to them with me cudgel and send them to the quilted fields with two lumps of sugar, she proposed, swinging her cudgel in the air in a series of practice moves. I fundamentally disagree with you, Carson, he retorted. Right or rich? Carson challenged back. Oh, now you've gone and done it. Peckrin reached for his coin pouch. Right or rich it is. The two each opened their coin purses and grabbed a handful of coins, taking care that the other could not see it. They turned to face each other and opened their palms. Peckrin held four copper pennies and an iron ring. Carson, however, held three pennies and a silver talon. Rich! Peckrin cheered, grabbing the coins from Carson's hand. Damn! she said as she watched him take the silver coin. That's a pretty coin to pay to be right. She stood up and slipped the cudgel from her belt. Don't worry, I'll buy you a drink when we get back to Barona. I promise, Peckrin pledged with a smile. Tell them, Erkin, I said sweet dreams when you smack him. He removed his pack and rummaged through the meager belongings until he found a miniature hourglass. Slipping it from his pocket, he turned it over deliberately and looked up at Cartson. Cartson wasted no time as she slipped silently down the path, keeping her center of gravity low with long, crouched steps. The sun dipped below the mountain lines as she approached the first of the two. 
In the red haze of the dying gas of daylight, she adjusted her grip on her cudgel and prepared to strike. Suddenly, the Urken slumped to the ground, overcome with drink. Carson glanced back towards Pekrin to see if he noticed. Told you, Pekrin mouthed to her, watching her movements from the hidden spot. Emboldened, Carson tiptoed up behind the second Urken, who stood nearly the same height as her. The gray-skinned creature seemed occupied by something on the other side of a line of leather tents, so she took her time to aim for the soldier's head. Holding her arms high above her head, she brought her weapon down with a mighty two-handed hammer swing. The cudgel struck a bald spot at the top of his skull, directly between his long, ragged ears. Oh! He screamed, reaching up to protect his head as he turned to face her. In his haste, however, he failed to see the rock at his feet, and tripped crashing headfirst into a low-cut tree stump. Carson watched as the urchin rolled over and stopped moving except for a low, shallow, labored breath. Casually, she slipped the cudgel back into her belt and motioned for Peckrin to approach. Peckrin fought hard to hold back a laugh as he sauntered down the path towards her. Two lumps indeed! How is my time? she asked, looting the sleeping urchin. With little effort, she retrieved a small coin purse and a skin of fermented goat's milk. A quarter left, he announced, placing the hourglass back into his pouch. Think that's a new record. He glanced over as Cartson took a swig of milk. You aren't seriously drinking that, are you? You have to drink it before it curdles, she explained, wiping the milk from her mouth. Would be cheese by morning otherwise. I'm doing them a favor. He looked for a moment as if he was going to argue, but a sudden and uncontrollable urge to gag raced through him. I I think I'm going to be sick. Cartson finished off the fermented milk and tossed the empty skin onto the sleeping soldier. There! Now they'll think he drank it. You're not the only one with brains here. She let out a deep belch. Oh, that's good. Now where's your friend? Patience, partner. He said he would be here. He'll be here, Peckrin chided. Like he said there would be no guards, she asked. Something moved in the tent to their right as they bickered. A clawed hand reached out to push open the tent flap. Cartson, startled by the movement, placed her hand on her cudgel. Peckrin lost his balance and staggered backward as a hulking urchin burst from the tent, reaching towards them with his hairy arms. Bubble and Squeak is written and produced by me, Peterson Toscano. I mostly make the show for me and for my friend Rob in the UK, who is podcast curious. You heard Birthright by Eleventy-Seven from the Basic Glitches album. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. The Vault of the Witch Hunters, the first of the Cartson and Peckron series, is available now as an ebook. Look for it on Amazon.com or visit ThreadsOfDarkness.com. I will be taking a break, but don't worry, I'll be back with season two in a few months. For more shows like this one, visit RockCandyRecordings.com. <laughs>